Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. First degree. 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 The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not real life. Everybody remembers that day. Everybody knows exactly where they were just like people who, you know, the JFK assassination, the people there on 9-11. And it's the same for Oklahomans. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting very far away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. And it's gotten to the point where I'm over this distance bullshit. Us too, Jack. We miss you. We miss you a lot. You guys have gotten close, physically closer. I have gotten physically and emotionally sadder. Aww. This is not fair. I want you back. I want to be back. I miss you guys so much. I know. We'll have a big celebration when you get back. Um, yes. Billy, 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 what day is it today? We have a lot to choose from. It is International Chewing Gum Day. Mm. For those of you who love a piece of gum, I know that Alexis does not chew gum. Mm -mm. You don't chew gum at all? No, I have TMJ. Mm. Oh, you know, I do too. Do Should I not be chewing gum? Oh, what else is it, Billy? It's also National Mud Pack Day. I'm sure both of you ladies have done the mud pack at some point in your life. I don't even know what that is. It's where you put the mud on your face and never, never done that before. What do you do after the mud's on your face? You've never gone to a spa and they give you like a mud pack? Oh, like a mud bath? Yeah. I've done a mud bath. Are you sure okay. that's the same right thing, Billy? Yeah, that's what it says. Mud pack day. See? It's interesting. Interesting. Mm. What else? What else we got? I need something more exciting. International podcast day, but you know what? That's too derivative. That's too it, on I'm, the nose. Too on the nose. And it's ask a stupid question day. Oh, all right. What's a stupid question, Billy? A stupid question is... Anything Billy asks. <laughs> Stupid question is, how did I end up here? Which <laughs> How did yeah, I get funny. here? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, not funny, it, you know, it wasn't meant to be funny because my life is a fucking tragedy. Right. Oh, my God. You guys are both on one today. And it's just, just on a level that I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to reach. So I think that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. 
left off last week with the story of Megan and her mother, June. Megan's experience was agonizing as she spent April 19th of 1995 not knowing the fate of her mom following the horrific bombing at the Alfred P. Murrah building in Oklahoma City. And while we will still have the honor of including Megan's perspective in this episode, we are adding a second person's narrative to this story. Someone whose life was altered in such broad ways it's difficult to articulate. So let me introduce you to Ron Brown. 1995, I was a a Secret Service agent. I was in the Phoenix field office. I was primarily doing investigations, uh, fraud, credit card, our bread and butter counterfeiting, protective intelligence, which are threats against the president. Now, I met Ron on the second night of my book tour, and he was my armed guard. I had armed guards at every night of my book tour, and it was in Portland. And he stood behind me. We didn't really talk, but then after we got through all of the signings and everything, we got to talking, and then he was such a nice guy. I had to run to the airport, and he's like, I'll drive you. On the way to the airport, he told me story after story that were just intense. He was a super nice guy. He was in the Secret Service, and the stories that he just laid out, I really, really wanted to get him on this podcast. And as soon as we had another first degree come to us, who was Megan, and she told us uh, her first degree about Oklahoma City bombing, this was the opportunity. I contacted him again, and he was he's just such an easygoing guy. He's just like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I think we actually talked to him while he was on a stakeout because he's a PI now. Okay, back to the story. Jack, where are we? Okay, so back in April of 1995, Ron had been married for only six weeks. His new wife was named Cindy, and she was also in the Secret Service. We got married in um, in her town, Sherman, Texas. So about 45 miles north of Dallas. That's where she was from. I met Cindy in training. She probably thought I was a bit of a loose cannon or something. She was very, very uh, proper southern type lady and uh i'm a little bit more of an okie from muskogee so we, we we got together tried to keep the, the relationship as quiet as we could and then uh i went to phoenix as my first duty station and she was in oklahoma city and we would see each other you know weekends we could or whenever we got some time which isn't a lot of time because you're busy, especially as a new agent. Um, you travel a lot. You have cases you're working on, all that kind of stuff. The morning of April 19th, 1995, was like any other day for Ron, until it wasn't. I went in the office. I usually worked out in the morning, and I got back in the locker room. I was getting dressed, and we just had these text pages, and I was I was getting all these pages from, like, all these different area codes, and I was like, this is kind of weird. So I went to the office, and... My office manager there said there's been a, a bombing in Oklahoma City, and I'm like, what? And I look at a TV, and it's the Murrah Federal Building. So immediately I start calling Cindy to see if, you know, get a hold of her, and uh, couldn't get a hold of her. And then somebody called the Tulsa office, and they said, hey, Ron, you need to get here as quick as you can. And I knew right then. Without anyone telling me, she was probably, you know, she probably was killed in the bombing. Flew out there. Cindy's dad met me at the airport. And, you know, you could tell that he was, he was trying to put a halfway decent face on it. 
this is kind of the way it is. We just started looking at, you know, hospitals and all this kind of stuff. And then we we drove around and actually, you know, because I have a badge, I was able to badge my way through barricades and all that kind of stuff. And I got to where the actual building was, got to the actually the foot of the building. And it was just, I mean, at one side, it was just absolute rubble. And I started to climb up and uh, a bunch of the firemen like grabbing me and I was kind of got in a little bit of fight with a couple of them. Cindy's dad said his wife's in there. These guys were, you know, uh, pretty tough dudes. They just, uh, you know, a couple of them started crying and stuff. Cindy worked at the Oklahoma City Secret Service office, which was on the top floor of the Alfred P. Murrah building. And while relief washed over some people as they learned that their loved ones had survived the bombing, Ron was not so lucky. Cindy didn't make it out alive. I, and I think I consciously thought about this. I knew that she was gone. I did not want to become a burden to a bunch of people. And so I just kind of stuffed all the emotion down and said, I'm going to be, I'm going to try to be a Marine here and not fucking lose it in front of everybody. And I kind of, that's, that's the way I thought about this for a long time. And I just, uh, you know, I had my moments by myself, but I didn't, I never wanted to be that way in front of anybody else. So I didn't, I didn't want to be, I guess I wanted her to be the focal point. I didn't, I didn't want to be the guy that people are looking at, you know? So I, uh, and it's not like I'm some noble guy. I'm just not, I didn't want that. So I just didn't, I just kind of stuffed it down inside of me and just kind of like, okay, I got things to do. I got to be, I got to be strong for other people. The search and rescue effort was exhaustive. And law enforcement personnel remained focused on that effort until they were sure that anyone who could be rescued had been rescued out of the rubble. Then, as the literal and figurative dust settled, the number one question on everyone's mind was, of course, what the hell happened? And who was responsible? The remains of the Murrah Federal Building would now become the most scrutinized crime scene in the world. But as news of the bombing spread nationally, people began to speculate. And I remember this vividly in the tone on radio and TV immediately after the blast, everyone was pointing fingers and they were pointing fingers in one direction, the Middle East. We came and and people were saying Middle Eastern terrorists or something. I mean, that's kind of what I guess at the time that's what went to people's mind, just the way it was set up and stuff. So. You know, as the, as the days went by, I kind of obviously figured it out. People are so quick to blame these foreigners, Muslims, Islamics. It's them, them, them. It's everybody that doesn't have the same belief system, whatever that may be. And that's because just two years earlier, in February of 93, terrorists originating from the Middle East bombed the World Trade Center in New York City. And two years before that, the United States has gone to war with Iraq. The nation waited with bated breath for someone from the Middle East to take credit for this deadly bombing. And as the FBI processed this massive scene and conducted interviews with witnesses, it became clear that a number of individuals reported seeing an unknown man driving a rider rental truck within close proximity of the building. And the man was white with a crew cut. A sketch was created of this man who became known as John Doe Number 1. 
The presence of this man near the building emerged as significant when the investigators discovered a telling piece of evidence in the form of an axle of a rider truck. And this would eventually be key in identifying the man who murdered 168 individuals, including Ron's wife, Cindy. Right. And this axle had flown from the scene of the crime and landed a staggering two blocks from the building. Luckily on this axle, the vehicle identification number or the VIN number had remained intact and they traced the number back to a rider truck that belonged to a rental agency. Investigators traced the location of where the truck had been rented and it was an auto body shop in Kansas. They get the description of the man who rented the truck and then discovered that the same man also checked into a motel. So they go to the Dreamland Motel in Junction City, Kansas, and they learned on April 14th, a man checked into room 25. The man's name, Timothy McVeigh. When officers pulled a photo of McVeigh, he resembled a composite sketch of John Doe number one, the man seen near the Murrah building before the explosion. A working theory emerged. It was believed that a rider truck loaded with explosives had been driven to the front of the Murrah building, parked, and then the explosives were detonated. Meanwhile, police had identified the man they believed to be responsible for this horrific act of violence as Timothy McVeigh. But where was he now? Unbeknownst to them, he was already in custody. Here's what happened. Less than two hours after the explosion, an Oklahoma Highway Patrol trooper named Charlie Hanger was driving in his cruiser outside of a town called Perry. And this is about 60 miles north of Oklahoma City. So he was driving north on the I-35 when he passed a beat-up 1977 Mercury Marquis. Not unusual. But what was unusual was the fact that this car was missing its license plates. So Officer Hanger pulled the car over and approached the vehicle. Behind the wheel was a guy in his mid-20s. He was clean cut. He had a crew cut. He was wearing a t-shirt with a graphic of Abraham Lincoln on it, along with the words of the man who shot him to death, Sick Semper Tyrannus, which, by the way, means thus always to tyrants. So over the T-shirt, the man was wearing a windbreaker. And when he got out of the car, Officer Hanger could see that he was wearing military-type boots as well. On the back of this guy's T-shirt was a quote from Thomas Jefferson. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. The officer asked this man what his name was, and he replied, Timothy McVeigh. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today.
Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. When the officer asked McVeigh for proof of insurance, he said he didn't have any. When the officer asked McVeigh where he was going, he said that he was taking a road trip through multiple states and that he was in the middle of moving to Arkansas. Seems like a reasonable story, but the only thing was when the officer looked in the back seat, he didn't see any bags with clothing. And he looked in the front seat, he didn't see any maps. There was nothing to suggest this person was on any sort of overnight trip, much less a move. According to the LA Times, when Officer Hanger asked the man for his driver's license, he reached into his back pants pocket to grab it. And when he did that, his windbreaker tightened on his side, and the officer could see a bulge of what appeared to be a gun holster. Officer Hanger asked him to reveal what he was packing, and it was a loaded Glock. The man also said that he had a six-inch long knife and a sleeve connected to his belt. Officer Hanger arrested 26-year-old Timothy McVeigh for carrying a concealed weapon. And as Hanger drove this guy to the local courthouse, McVeigh was chatting to him about random things. According to the LA Times, McVeigh, quote, rattled off the serial number of his gun correctly except for a single digit. He asked Hanger how fast his car ran, what kind of firearm he carried, and how he could get his own gun back. And he was booked into the Noble County Jail as inmate 95057. And as McVeigh sat in the local jail, the chaos and confusion of the Oklahoma City bombing continued to unfold. Around the world, it was assumed that this bombing would be attributed to the enemies in the Middle East. When the true perpetrator, 
a white American male was already behind bars for a concealed carry violation. The following morning, McVeigh was supposed to go before a judge, but the judge had to reschedule. So the hearing was scheduled for Friday of that week, three days after the bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah building. As the investigation continued, people who had lost loved ones like Ron were still reeling and processing what had happened. And there were also practical concerns like funerals. There was a whole thing about getting her body down to Texas. And um, the director, Secret Service, I think, had to step in on that one. But Like, you can't take it. You know, this is still an investigation. I'm like, I'm, I'm like talking to these people. I go or fucking get her ready to go down to Texas for a funeral, or I'm, I'll fucking steal the body, and I'll take her down there myself. And I don't know how many times I, I fucking yelled at funeral people or cops or whoever it was, but some guy said, you know, she had a flag grape coffin, and um, she liked white roses. And so I said, well, we need to put a, a rose on top of the coffin. And this guy said, well, you can't put a rose on top. And I go, Motherfucker, I'm a Marine. I'll put whatever the fuck I want on top of her coffin. So there's a rose on top of her flag on top of her coffin. The losses of the Oklahoma City bombing can't be quantified with the number of victims who lost their lives. The reach of the suffering is far greater than that. Uh, about a week before the Oklahoma City bombing, we she came to Phoenix and then we went out to um, Sedona. I think it was, it was Easter. And stayed at a better breakfast than uh, last time I saw her. It was at the airport in Phoenix. No kidding. She's probably the nicest person I've ever met. And I'm a little rough around the edges. <laughs> and, um, she just, that didn't even phase her at all. She's pretty. She was nice. In our Secret Service class, she kind of brought the whole class together. And nobody, I never heard a, a, a crossword about her. She was universally liked in her office so she she would have been a great a great agent she would have been a great wife a great mother and uh, she would have we would have we would have stayed together forever and it would have been good marriage that's just not not the way it happened so eventually the connection is made and law enforcement figures out that mcveigh is in custody and they do this by running his social security number after he's identified through the rental agency where he rented the rider truck. Now there's a face assigned to this tragedy, and the public finally could put a face to this phantom who murdered so many. And investigators and the press begin to try to figure out who Timothy McVeigh was and why he would do something like this. So McVeigh was born in Lockport, New York in 1968. And as a teen, he liked two things. He was named most promising computer programmer at his high school. So he liked computers. But he also liked guns. He went to college. He dropped out. Then he worked as a guard at an armored car company. When he turned 20, he enlisted in the Army. And he served in Operation Desert Storm. He wanted to be in Special Forces, but he washed out on the second day. He left the Army with an honorable discharge in 91. During the siege at Waco with David Koresh and the Branch Davidians, he actually drove to that scene and he was seen handing out pro-gun rights leaflets and bumper stickers. And one of the bumper stickers read, when guns become outlawed, I will become an outlaw. 
And the situation at Waco really affected him. And after the final Waco assault, he became fully radicalized. He produced videos railing against the ATF. He sold ATF hats with bullet holes in them. He began building bombs. For him, the people that worked for the government were stormtroopers and fascist tyrants. And he even wrote at one point, ATF, all you tyrannical motherfuckers will swing in the wind one day for your treasonous actions against the Constitution of the United States. He had the right to his beliefs. He had the right to worship whatever God. He had the right to whatever disgusting, deplorable culture he was in. He didn't have the right to do what he did. Nobody does. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you believe. You know, there's Fruit Loops all over the place. In fact, I've, I've interviewed hundreds of them that made threats against the president, whether they're, you know, off their meds that day, whether some zealot from some group or whatever it is. So, um, and all sorts of different nationalities too, because it didn't really, I just knew the guy from my limited Secret Service experience at the time was a nut. I mean, nobody does that. Nobody, nobody consciously goes, uh, I'm going to blow up this building and kill all these innocent people to make this point. If they're not fucking crazy. I just think about, I don't care about their political affiliates. I don't care what they think about stuff. When you, when you cross that line and you're killing innocent people, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you are, or what your cause is or anything else. You're just a douchebag and you need to be taken down. Timothy McVeigh's actions back in 1995 would foreshadow a trend in violent crime that we are currently in the midst of. Domestic terrorism is at a fever pitch, and it presents itself in the form of mass shootings. Single white guy with a gun mass shootings were a common occurrence every week in recent history and seem to have waned only this year because of the pandemic. But make no mistake, the lone American wolf with a grudge is alive and well. And unfortunately, is plotting his next move. It's one thing to identify the culprit. We have the who, but we still don't have the why or the how. And the biggest question at this point, did Timothy McVeigh act alone? In part one, we discuss Megan's story of not knowing if her mother made it out alive. In this episode, we talk with Ron Brown, who shared with us the experience of losing his wife in this attack. In our next episode, we will cover the trial of Timothy McVeigh, the saga that will ultimately end at 7.14 a.m., June 11, 2001, in a sterilized room in Terre Haute, Indiana. All right. Well, huge thank you to both Megan and Ron for sharing their stories with us. They'll both be with us next week for the conclusion of our three-part series on the Oklahoma City bombing. Until then, uh, if you have a story you would like to share, you can email us, hello at thefirstdegreepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at thefirstdegree, at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group just by searching The First Degree in the search bar. We are talking true crime all the time. And stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. And keep your friends close. But, but not, not that, that close. close. Oh, I thought we almost had it. Happy. Happy.
Ask a dumb question day. These days sucked. Bye. A big thank you to Jared Monaco for original music and sound design. Shout out to our producing team, Caitlin Cleveland, Taylor Rogers, and Alan Santiago for Podcast One. Sources for today's episode include the LA Times and the FBI. And as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Killing Time. Alexis and Billy are attached at the head. We are good to go. Here we are, ready to seize the night. Carpe diem. Carpe night. Carpe evening. Carpe night. Carpe everything. Season all, bitches. Noctum is probably Caesar salad. I did used to have a t-shirt that said carpe noctum, I think, if that's correct. Carpe rectum? Yeah, and it had like a wool feeling into the... Carpe rectum, did you say? I said carpe rectum. rectum. I did hear, and then actually, I'm surprised that you said that, Alexis. Seems like it's not up your comedy wheelhouse. I'm really not myself today. No, she is. I burped earlier. She burped. She audibly burped, and I was just like, "You're not a robot. You actually." It was amazing. (laughs) If if everyone only knew how much I burped, like it is, it's bad. I'm sorry for. I feel really bad for Jared. I think it's funny. I don't know. well, okay. Doesn't bother me. If he doesn't care, whatever. Okay, so I wanted to tell a tale in Killing Time and Ready. and really get your guys' feedback. So I am freezing my embryos and I'm doing it at this place called CCRM. They're like the best in the country. And we're in the beginning of this process of freezing embryos. And what one of the first things that you have to do is you have to get blood tests. So I had to get a blood test for my hormones. And then you have to get like infectious diseases, blood tests. And then Jared had to also get a blood test with me. It's, it's one of two things that he needs to do for this process. Right. So we go to get our blood tests and they like take us into two separate rooms and they're like taking the blood and Jared and I are like kind of texting, like, how are you doing? Whatever. And he texts me. He's like, okay, I'm done. He's like, they, they they took it all out. I'm flat. (laughs) Or what did you say? I said, I'm deflated. (laughs) So he says he's deflated. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, I'm still going, whatever. So then I come out of the the place to go find Jared. And Jared, what happened to you? 
Well, I texted you because I started to feel. Well, I was fine. I'm not. I'm fine with needles. I don't get. I don't get like. He's not scared of needles. Apparently. So they do the whole procedure, and I go back into the waiting room, and I'm sitting there, and then I my vision narrowed like big time, and I started to get really lightheaded. So I texted Jack, and I was like, "I have to go back to the jeep. I can't sit in this room anymore. I'm gonna pass out." So I get up. And I go to the elevator and we're on the third floor. And as it's going down, the motion of it like puts me basically on my knees, like about to like I'm almost down. And the whole time, all I can think in my head is this is the only thing I have to do in this entire process. Like Jack has to get stabbed for like a month straight with needles. And I was like, if I can just make it back to the Jeep, I'll be fine. But if I pass out, I'll never hear the end of this for the rest of my life. And I, I like barely made it. I was so, I was covered in sweat. My entire shirt was like covered in sweat. <laughs> he was like literally soaking, soaking wet. Yeah, it was bad. And then I come, so I come out of like the whole situation. I'm like skipping my way to the Jeep. I'm like, woo, whatever. I get to the Jeep. He's like, he's like, they took so much blood. I was like, well, how much blood did they take? He goes, four vials. I was like, Jared, <laughs> they took nine vials from me. And I'm on the second day of my period and I'm fine. She literally came skipping out of that place. Like I was in the jeep, like half dead. And Jack just came like with a big smile on her face, like running. Well, Jack is a ray of sunshine and she's a special human. But Jer, have you considered the possibility that this is psychological mm. and not physical? Mm, like in, mm. in what way? Well, this sounds like an ex- this sounds like what I have when I have panic attacks. No, it, was, sounds, it totally was. It sounds like, and it it can just be. I get them at the doctor's office too, not because it's from your subconscious and it's you thinking about like doctors' offices make people really nervous and make open up all these floodgates about like death and and weird things. So it could just be weird stuff that weird fears that you haven't even addressed. I really hope that's what it is. Because or he ha- could just be really weak. Oh my god. (laughs) Or maybe you have low iron. Maybe that blood test will tell you that. Ooh. Yeah. What if the test actually tells me why the test almost put me out? No. Yes. I don't know. We'll see. It was just so funny because it's like, Jared, you have one thing. Like, I'm literally, (laughs) I'm getting stabbed. I'm being put under. Shit is getting extracted from my body. And Jared just has to do like get one little tiny vial of blood taken. And it almost I could just hear Jack's voice, though, when I was going down. I was like, I know. I know what she's going to say if I pass out. I was like, I, no matter what, I have to make it back to the car, like 100%. Yeah, well, it's like hingery on a different scale. It's hingery like times a million because Wait, I was fine. Right. Well, maybe it's because you guys didn't answer the very important question I asked you in the group chat, which is whether you guys would name one of your embryos after me. <laughs> Did I not answer that? I don't know. I don't remember that question. But this is the like my question about that is if we name an embryo and that's the one that ends up getting taken, do I need to name my child no. Alexis? No, just the embryo. And then it's a working. Then title. it's like working title. Yeah, yeah. And then if it's born, it might have like oh, it, it's like Alexis. It might have tank like abilities. Yeah, it'll like get some of my characteristics just by osmosis. <laughs> Alexis has had a really long day. We've been shooting a lot. and They're like, yeah, yeah, do your makeup. Look really good. And then they're like, put a mask on. I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, it's like, how do you look good with a mask on? 
and then take it off. It messes up your makeup. It messes up your makeup. Well, then why don't you just not even put makeup on the bottom half of your face? I think that's the glory of wearing a mask. No, but we still have to. That's the ugly part of my face. We still have to. (laughs) We still have to actually. No, then they make us take it off right before they shoot. Mm. So we don't wear it when we're actually doing the interviews, but like they want you to wear it to the final moment. I'm like, well, then how do I touch up? And they're like, no, 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 just go. I'm like, wait, but now my lipstick's all over my face. (laughs) And then forget it. What about that mosquito bite I got in my head? I know. Do we want to talk about this? Yes. Yeah. Please. So, so we are, we are at, we can't divulge a lot of that, but we're out sort of in the country and the, this specific office has a pond and it's got a bunch of, it's very much in the woods. And I look over. Lots of stagnant water. Lots of stagnant water. And I look over at Alexis and she has a giant bump directly in the center of her forehead. And she had to do, I believe it was the first shoot. No, it was, it, it was, was in the first shoot day. It was the first shoot day. So it was in the middle of, she had already done one interview, had another interview to do. And she literally got bit by a mosquito right in the center of her forehead. And it blew up. I'm highly it, allergic. By it the way. was completely noticeable. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah. And and she's like, does it look bad? I'm like, doesn't look good. I'm like, take a picture and show me. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. And then I sent it to the group chat and- well, that Jackson with all my girlfriends and it was just like, everyone was be- trying to be sweet. Like, you look beautiful anyway. I'm like, no, like, let's not fucking lie. I don't think I said that. Cat did. I don't sugar. Great- I won't sugar. It we was- have a great DP though. And he, he shattered it. At one shattered point, so. it. I'm pretty sure it, it, I, you could see it. Yes. It'll be an, it'll be an Easter egg. I mean, yeah, it, that will be an Easter egg. Honestly, it is the most Alexis thing to ever happen. <laughs> To why you? would I go? Why would I look good? Well, like, the why funny would part, I... Alexis, you so you texted our group chat and you were. Oh, are you still there? Yep. Okay. You texted our group chat and you're like, "I'm a TV unicorn," and then you didn't send a picture with it. And I'm like, "Is Alexis like bragging about her first day on the job?" That you're like, "I made it. I'm like on TV now." On, Jack, you know me better than that. <laughs> and I was like, "This is very off brand, and this feels weird." And then finally, <laughs> like 15 minutes later, you're like, "Did the picture not come through?" And we're like, "No." And then the picture finally came through. I was like, "Now this makes sense." <laughs> There you go. I thought you were like, I'm a TV unicorn. I'm so self-deprecating. I would never do it. And then I was like, oh, shit. That's how it sounded because the picture didn't go through. (laughs) I realized that then. But I swear it looks like I have a horn. It's not good. No. It it does look like a budding budding horn, like the beginnings of a horn. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it was a whole thing. (laughs) Which would be a whole different show. But yeah. Has it gone down? Like, has it gone down for the rest of your interviews? Yeah, it went away immediately. It was just like that. I just have an initial bad reaction. Yeah, so it, it, it was done away. by that night. Yeah. So it was just perfect for right, right as you were filming. Right yeah. as, yes, exactly. I love it. Has there been any other, um, like, points that have stuck out to you guys over the past week of filming that you'd like to share that you can share? Other than the point on Alexis's forehead? Other than the point on Alexis's forehead? Billy did a cool one. Billy went to... We can't say it. Oh, right. Yeah, we can't talk. Um, no, it was good. Had some. Yeah, no, we're doing some good stuff. Yeah. Sorry cool. to be so cryptic, everyone, but yes. We've been getting in a lot of fights. A lot of fights on camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And the crew's like, oh, okay. They're all really confused. They're like, is there I mean, there, abuse going on? I mean, there's, there, there, there are fights pertaining to the case. Yeah. And pertaining to... 
you know, our theories about it and how we should approach different things here or there. I mean, maybe it'll make good television. Maybe we'll get arrested. I, I have a yeah. feeling they're probably not going to air those fights. It's not like this is a reality show. Though, I mean, I wish that we could air all of the behind the scenes on the situation, but it doesn't seem like the type of show. But I a true crime reality show. Some of them. About, I think they will, of your guys' yeah. fights? Because it's, it's real. I mean, they're good points. Like, I'm making good points and I'm convincing her that she's wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> okay, I think that we need to leave. Yeah, let's call this this nightmare. <laughs> nightmare <laughs> that is my life. <laughs> Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.